The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry with Joe McGill. Good morning, how are you this morning? I'm Joe McGill and you're listening to the Saturday Supplement and I hope I find you well wherever you are listening to us around the world on RadioCarry.ie or on the Radio Kerry app or on the traditional wireless 96 to 98 FM. How are you doing this morning? I hope I find you well wherever you are. We have a very busy program lined up. Very soon we'll have Dominic Walsh on for our monthly in focus slot and our theme this month was autumn has arrives and man did we get some unbelievable photos i tell you the standard of uh, photos that people are sending in is just something to behold and we welcome anyone and everyone to send us uh, photos amateurs to professionals to someone that has just picked up the phone or the camera for the first time and just wants to take a photo we welcome them all later on I'll be speaking to Kira Chute, a very talented artist, about her new exhibition, which I was lucky enough to open um, last week. It's in Sheemsit Thera, and the theme is The Body Remembers. Um, some absolutely outstanding installations. I'd recommend anyone to go along to that exhibition. And I caught up with her um, in her home in Balance Skelligs where she lives to talk about her influences and a very fascinating story there so I'm looking forward to bringing you that we'll also be talking about another exhibition that's taking place in the Kerry Writers Museum in the Stole on October 19th and um, so this is um, uh, an exhibition that received a grant under the Regional Museum's Exhibition Scheme to showcase the work of John Lynch and Michael Mulcahy the project is built around the restoration and digitisation of their film The Way I Remember It, shot in 1971 and remastered in 1978 with a soundtrack featuring narration by Eamon Keane and songs by Sean Ahern. So I'm really looking forward to talking to them uh, about that and uh, all about that North Kerry uh, film. But it is the first Saturday of the month, so I'm delighted to say Dominic Walsh joins us for our monthly In Focus. Dominic Walsh, how are you? Good morning to you, Joe, and good morning to your listeners. And you know something? Isn't it an absolutely great week in a weekend to be alive? There's lovely weather, there's nice light there in the evenings, there's lovely light in the morning, and it's nice and mild. And it's the time for people to get out and walk around, whether you can walk, run, or crawl, or cycle, or drive, whatever way you want to get out. Wheelchairs, crutches, you nail, get out there and start taking pictures because it's good for your health, it's good for your mental health to get out there and just experience the colours that are coming this time of year because they're just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and uh, Dominic, you had a bit of sad news. Um, you lost your family pet, and your family pet, Sweet Pea, isn't it? He actually featured on the programme there one morning, remember? He interrupted us as we were live on air. He was barking bad, and it's very sad, isn't it, uh, when you lose a pet? Because he had this, this guy a long time, and like I said, he's featured on In Focus. Sweet Pea has been on In Focus a couple of times. If I'm in the office, she's always beside me when I've been on the show and she's listened to She'd have her two paws up on the couch and she'd have her chin resting on her two paws and she'd be looking at me. And if anybody came near the door, she'd go over to the door to stop them. If they kept coming, she'd start barking. So anytime she barked on it, you'd know she was coming. But Joe... 
to be honest, were absolutely devastated. We had our 14 and a half years and I can't say how much or how, how, how hurtful it is. You come so attached to a pet and people say, it's only a dog. It was more than a dog. It was our family. Every function we went to and everything, birthday party, Christmas day, everything like that, she was brought in for the photographs, sure, like that, you know. So it was very sad. We, uh, a vet came to the house, took care of Sweepy in the house here in her last moments on that. You know, we buried her in the garden, you know. We did it all like that, you know, and we're lost without her. And for, and just, I never realised how attached I would be to an animal. So thank you for thinking of her and thank you for asking. Yeah, I'd imagine there's a bit of a, a hole in the house now um, because they are just unbelievable company. And I think especially over COVID, I think pets really filled a role there, didn't they? For people, because whether that was company at home when everyone was isolating or something to do, you had to walk the dog or you had to feed them. Like I was saying, farmers had to look after their animals. Animals played an important role during that whole lockdown period. Oh, God, look, our dog was there and throw something like whatever happened if you got lazy in the evening you sat down on your own which you did and you watched television you know the dog came over you had to take that dog out to get that bit of exercise and what that did for people's mental health and what it, just for getting them out in the fresh air it was fantastic and like even sweet pitos when we had her like when i was in the office working during COVID, the rest of the family were other parts of the house and i'd spent so much time on my own but the dog was there and joe you might just get up and sit down with the dog for a couple of minutes she was a small shit shoe dog she's tiny like that you'd sit down for a couple of minutes and draw, there's unconditional love every time you come to the door the dog is sitting there waggling its tail welcome you into the house do you know I mean my wife doesn't do it every time for me either <laughs> you know, you're late did you bring the milk or whatever so it's the dog every time I arrived into the house the dog was there smiling waggling its tail and it's a lovely feeling to have like that so yes animals do play a very important part in our lives. And you know what I did actually? I went down to the, the Irish Cancer Society and they have actually a section on it devoted to animals and pets that pass away. So like, like there's great help for people because I'm sure like there's three of us here and, and we understand what's happening. But for the poor person that's in the house on their own and the pet is their only link to, let's say, to contact or to chat or anything like that, you know, it's important that they share their feelings as well, do you know? Yeah, and uh, another thing about pets, um, we did a documentary called The Journey with Cancer and Kevin Hawk from County Clare was one of the, the, the main contributors on it and he did dog Buddy. Um, we have a buddy as well, we have a dog at home called Buddy, but when he was going through his cancer treatment, he, um, I suppose, tributes buddy for being so kind of um almost therapeutic and that when he was on a low day buddy would come up and be more gentle with him and put his head on his knee as if he knew he was going through something and he'd be more energetic in other days it's amazing the way they've kind of a, a sixth sense but then i suppose that's why we've therapy dogs nowadays and things like that they have something they have some other kind of a gift don't they but sure, look like Getting back to our dog, like when I'm when I my dog, she'd be jumping up around, she'd want attention, you know. But as soon as I'd go on the phone, or as soon as I'd be on a, a Zoom meeting, the dog would just sit there, sit down, pause up on the side of the couch, and say absolutely nothing. And if somebody came to the door, the dog would rush down and try and stop them from coming in, not to disturb me. Now, look, it's me probably surmising or thinking ahead, but they are very intelligent and they know when you're in bad form and they know when you're in good form and so and i've gone into hospitals over the years especially nursing homes like that you know and i've been inside there and and i've seen elderly people inside there and they mightn't they mightn't be very talkative or anything like that you know on that and a dog would come in 
and they'd put the hand dog and down and the dog would come over and be rubbing off their hands and things like that and the smile would come to people's face like that so again this unconditional love the therapy that they have on that and the aroma that a dog has just brings this bit of excitement into the place like that. and look they look, at you, they look at you Joe and they don't judge you you know yeah. they don't judge me they just take people as they are well um, you have a beautiful photo given to us and we have that up in our Facebook page along with all the rest of the photos of Sweet Pea what a beautiful uh, dog and again uh, sorry for your loss Dominic um, so let's move on to your photos that you've taken during the month and the first one we're going from something sad to something very joyous here because this is a, a, fo- a football game it's obviously a final the cup is being raised in the air by Paul Ganey Kerry um, football star loads of young people around him but it looks to me like he's with his native club there Dingle it is actually this is Paul Ganey and this is the senior club football championship final it was played in Austin Stack Park recently on that and you know like when they, when they win and they present the cup it's just pure and utter mayhem and you're trying to make a picture out of something and you're trying to stand in the right position and you're trying not to be in the way of people because people want to just celebrate and be joyous you're trying to watch your gear because they've got bottles of water in their hand and they're jumping around and the water's in the air there's so many consequential incidents that could happen it's unbelievable and the thing about it is you can't actually look into your camera when you're taking the pictures because you, you just if you look into your camera everybody's bumping up against you and you can't so what you've got to do is you kind of got just got to be you've got to go rogue and you've got to hold your camera up over your head and you've got to point and shoot and get it ready and be thinking of what you're doing so this particular shot Paul Ganey had been presented with the cup he gave the most magnificent speech he came down to meet his teammates and his fans on that and he's absolutely holding the cup in the air and he's very joyous and very animated and I've got my camera held in the air towards him walking around now this is continuously moving and jumping around as I'm taking the picture you think by looking at the picture it's a pure still image but it's not there's just so much bouncing around there and I just got what I thought was a great shot of Paul and right almost into the camera is the cup that they've won on that just to tell people how I actually took this shot it was taken at 250 of a second ISO was 800 because there's actually lights inside in Austin Stack Park and it's quite well lit so what I would do is I would set the colour temperature in other words I would set my camera to the lights and try and get a daylight colour on it and I would set it like that it's taken on a fisheye lens on that and I probably took or could have taken a hundred, maybe a hundred and ten pictures of this. I would just put my camera into drive and just shoot and shoot and shoot. I would have it on autofocus, but all my settings would be on manual. But you can see the players, the kids, and every round, and it's just the composition just works out quite well. Yeah, excellent. Uh, love those sporting occasions. There's there's joy they'll feel there that you can't get anywhere else. So it's just absolutely spectacular. Um, something we cover a lot here on the programme is Culture Night, which takes place once a year around Ireland. But Kerry do it very well. And we often speak to Kay Kennelly about all the wonderful events they're involved in, involved in and they've organised. The beauty of Culture Night as well is that we have some absolutely amazing venues in this county. This one to me looks like it's the island of Geese, Dominic, is it? This is the Island of Geese. Now, if anybody knows me, they'll know I have a fierce affinity to the Island of Geese. 
I have to compliment Kerry County Council and whoever has taken part. I think Kerry Group originally donated that site and they've turned it into the most magnificent free space that you could get any place. I advise people to go and have a look. It's a magnificent space. This night, culture night down there, the Munster uh, Technological University sent down a group of musicians and the Kerry Music Generation sent out some music uh, musicians as well to play on that. You had some singers there and it was the most beautiful evening there and inside now there on the island of Geese if anybody knows this is in the centre of Tralee just alongside Super Value what they did was they, they had a kind of like a free space an auditorium as you would call it where there's walls built around in a semicircle and there's the old dinny factory chimney there as well but over it recently they've put this most amazing canopy and it only reminds me of Batman if you look at the canopy, it's like the shape of the wings and things like that, you know. So what I did, I was trying to pick a position and trying to get a shot out of it on that. But I wanted to capture the enormity of the event and the structure and the infrastructure that you see around and the lighting, the ambient light and the sky when I've taken it. So what I did was I put on a fisheye lens, went into the corner and crouched down and I was moving left and right and right up down trying to get my position and I just got this position that I felt that worked and the light was good I used a little bit of flash myself and I pulled my flash back about two stops on that but I'm just going to check my speed taken on this was probably about a twelfth of a second now holding a camera twelfth of a second I wouldn't recommend for everybody but I was working at a twelfth of a second my ISO my that's the ACA the amount of light was going in I tried to keep as low as possible I kept it down to about two fifty of let's say on my ISO because I wanted really sharp crisp colors and I wanted a good depth of field so I shot it at f11 on that and as you can see the image the colors came up very well you can make out everybody on it and i'm using that ambient light you hear me talking about this golden hour the best way to find out if you're going in and out of the golden hour is if you walk down the town and you're looking at the street and you look to your left and you can see in a shop window and you can see people walking around the shopping site that's your golden hour time outside of that time when you walk down the street you will not be able to look into a shop because it's dark so that'll help you find out your golden hour. And this is an image that I created and which I think quite worked out quite well. Yeah, excellent. You always bring in some great snaps, another great one. These, of course, are up on our Facebook page and they're also in on the Radio Kerry website. If you go into the podcast section and click on In Focus, all the photos Dominic is talking about and your photos are up there to look at so you can kind of interact along as we're going. Also, we're going to take a break and after that, we're going to be looking at your photos. The Saturday Supplement with Joe McGill on Radio Kerry. Now, so it is the first Saturday of the month. Dominic Walsh is with us for our monthly In Focus photography slot. And it's time to look at your photos that you've sent in to me at jmcgill at radiocarry.ie. And you were all very good this month. You sent them in before midday, uh, the Wednesday before the first Saturday of the month. There was one or two just, just, just got it in, but it's great. Um, and it allows us time then for myself and Dominic to put all these photos together and to look through them. Our theme was 
autumn has arrived and let's look at our first one here Dominic and this is a real kind of an autumn skyline you know that beautiful kind of orange color taken on my phone in Phoenix Sunday evening as the sun was setting Peggy Daly and it's called dolphins and the reason being there's two dolphins swimming side by side with the Phoenix Lighthouse uh, on Little Samphire Island and in the background that is spectacular uh, a spectacular shot I tell you Peggy it's difficult enough to get pictures of birds and things like that, but trying to get pictures of dolphins and then to get dolphins up out of the water and even to get two dolphins and fins in the air and all this, everything. It's a great picture. I absolutely love it. As I always say to people, when you get a very good picture, do not put this away and forget about it. You've got to take it, frame it, put it up someplace, date it, caption it or whatever you want, write a little bit of piece in the back how you felt that day or anything like that. And it's just, it's a great little picture to have. It's absolutely lovely. I love it. I love this next photo. As the long days of summer disappear and we enter the season of autumn, Joe Fitzgerald from Strand Road enjoys a bit of quality time with his dog, Ali, at the lock gates, lower cannon, and the photo is by that wonderful photographer, Moss Joe Brown. I just love the emotion in um, Joe's face and the dog as well as after coming back, obviously, after enjoying a little sprint around the place um, and a lovely setting as well, sitting on the picnic table there on the bench. It's absolutely lovely, actually. And, you know, would you believe, I know that gentleman, I just didn't realise now, we actually stopped on, even though we've looked at a picture before, that's Joe Fitzgibbon. Uh, okay. would have been a builder uh, a block layer in his time on that as the dog. But, you know, I, I just enjoy Moss Joe Brown's pictures because... I don't think he comes up with the same picture every time, you know. Like, I'm pure jealous of him at times, like, the difference in how he takes him and, and the effort he puts in. And he's just, he's not there, but he's there, if you know what I mean. And people should take example and, like, listen, to, that's how you do photography. Get your picture first and take it and then go up and talk to the person, see and show them what you have. It's a nice, candid picture. It's lovely. Um, I really love this next one as well. It's kind of a thinky outside the box one. Um, good morning, Joan Dominic. Find attached a picture for autumn. Well, it's that time of year again, back to school, and the leaves are falling. The memories of walking on the crunchy leaves going to school in the mornings. And that comes in for Deirdre Mangan. And it's like, it's kind of, um, I don't know what you call this, though, Dominic, but it's kind of an arranged picture. We have this beautiful image, back to school, writing that's done so brilliantly. We have the markers and the pens, but they're autumnal colours. And then we have the leaves kind of around it on the page. Actual leaves, not drawn on, and a photo of it. Very clever. It is very clever. And this is kind of abstract, really, is what it is. And it just gives you a perfect time. You can tell the time of the year, really, because it's back to school. You can tell the time of the year is because of of the leaves and you know on that and some leaves are just about going off and some there are kind of dry and withered like that you know you've got the pens and the pencil every night that and you know it's a young person it's a lovely photo and just something again it's something that you sit down you think about it and you go and it, it takes you into this lovely little space that you like to it's a great picture lovely idea I like pictures like this I'd like to see more pictures like that because it's very creative yeah, and Deirdre sent another great photo as well. Please find it out. the second autumn picture. This picture was taken at St. John's Church, Tralee, and the iconic John's Church, Tralee. There's, on the way up, on the roadway uh, up, there's some beautiful trees, and the colours have already changed to that golden colour, Dominic. I, look, St. John's is a magnificent church to take. The only I find about St. John's is when you go to photograph during the day, the sun is on the south side of it, and it's quite difficult to photograph. So it's gone over a little bit there to the 
to the west at that stage so it makes it nice and you get lovely shadows and you at this time of the year people might think it your shadows will be a lot longer this time of the year because the sun is a lot lower whereas the summer is higher and you can get lovely creations from the shadow if you look at the walls going along you can see all the trees and the branches and everything like that it's lovely it's a great pitch dive I really like it Kay Fitzgerald Hi John Dominic Some autumnal scene Sunset over on Far Mar of Dunheen Reflections in the wetlands Preparing for the rain And we have a wonderful photo Of a man sitting there With the umbrella over his head He's sitting on a picnic bench And I like that it's taken From a bit of a distance That you often talk about Dominic Then we have the lily pads On the, the pond and the water And uh, there we have The famous Blasket Island as well And the sun is setting in the background These are a wonderful selection by Kay Aren't they? Yeah, it's great. Kay, great to have you back. We haven't seen your work in a while. It's great to have you back. I love doing it. Kay was with us from the very start, and Kay started very amateurish, if I may say. And if we look at her now, her stuff is absolutely amazing. It is absolutely amazing, like the stuff that she's turning out. And it's because when you have the interest and you keep at it and you turn out this stuff like that, and like and you, you understand how it all works. Because when you start photography, you've got to train your mind to think how the picture is going to come out. It's difficult to get that at the start. You've just got to train and get into whether it's with a mobile phone or whether it's with a camera. But like there's absolutely lovely stuff. I love the sleeping giant there. I love the lilies in the pad there like that. The gentleman sitting down, I love that. He's either in the photograph or he's away from the photograph. He's away from it. He's part of it. So it's great. Great pictures. Agnes O'Sullivan, who always sends some wonderful photos to us. Good morning, John Dominic. The sun is sinking in the west. Another warm autumnal thought. Roses all summer long. Rose hips are ready for picking now. Best wishes and thanks for a great photo segment. Agnes O'Sullivan. And Agnes has one of the nicest views in the world out of her house. And you can see the sun setting over the blaskets there. And then again, um, the rose hips, I think they're called, is it? Is that the, the, the fruit and the plant there? Um, beautiful photos. They're absolutely beautiful. Agnes, I'm, I'm just something, I'm absolutely, you know, in awe at the picture. People should look at this picture that Agnes has taken. It's the most amazing shapes in the sky with the sun going down, the sunset, the blueness in the sky and the shape of the clouds. They're just going all over the place. And in the middle of it, you've got a, a jet going right down the middle and creates this line right down through it like that. It's absolute. People should look at that. It's a great, I love the composition, it's great, it's a lovely composition, and I like the roses as well, it's lovely. Excellent, we've loads more photos to get to that you've sent in to us, with our theme being Autumn Has Arrived. We're going to go to a break, and we're going to look at more of your photos after these. The Saturday Supplement, with Joe McGill, on Radio Kerry. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Now, so we're still looking at your photos because this is our monthly in focus slot with professional photographer Dominic Walsh. We're looking at your photos and the theme is autumn has arrived. And uh, obviously we have some wonderful, um, colourful photos because we have the leaves and the trees changing colours, which is brilliant. The other thing I love about this is, um, and this slot in general, is that we get to go around the county and look at how it's changing over the months. So hi, John Dominic. Attached three photos for your autumn theme. First shows a carpet of leaves at Kilderry Wood, Milltown. 
Second shows the Spall Viaduct bathed in late September sunshine with Stricken Hill in the background, or is it Strickeen Hill in the background? And final one is a long exposure showing an autumnal scene at Owen Gareth River near Tork Waterfall. Wishing you all the best as we head further into this wonderful season of autumn colour. Best regards, Michael Kennedy, Waterside Inch. And uh, Michael is some talented photographer, Dominic, isn't he? Like the, the autumnal scene with the... the the, the leaves on the ground and then the different coloured leaves in the trees is just absolutely something out of a movie. I think it is. Michael is an excellent photographer. Like, like he should be selling this work. It's absolutely brilliant. I really like it. It's very professionally taken. The composition is absolutely fantastic on it. The locations are brilliant like that, you know. As I say to people, Joe, like there's people around the world listening to this now this morning and they're going to be looking at scenes of Kerry and when they can see Michael's pictures there like that and they're looking at that and they're saying my God I have to go and visit Kerry they're, uh, they're breathtaking and the long exposure what that means to people that might know that's where you put your camera on a tripod and you brace your camera and you hold it still you leave the shutter opened but you close the aperture down a bit like that so everything is in focus and you're getting it going but the slowness of the shutter when it stays open the moving of the water creates a trail and a line and it kind of blurs it out gives that smoothness to it like that three wonderful images they're absolutely fabulous yeah, absolutely. Well done, Michael. Thanks a million for sending those in. The church in Causeway and the roads leading up to it. That comes in from James um, Nealon. And again, it's because you have these wonderful trees that are changing uh, colour at the moment and well observed by James. You see, James, th this is great. And that's it. And the colours come in. And uh, like churches and places like that, they're great pictures to show up because people, you wouldn't believe it, identify a town or a village. That, oh, that's the church. And I know where that is. So they will go and see it and they will go to take pictures. His angle is nice. He's taken from across the road. You've got the tree in, the real autumn colours in the tree. You've got the church there. The church is quite cold looking. It's almost blue looking. And it gives that coldness to it like that. So it's good. And then you're looking down the road. Fair play to those people of Causeway. Look how clean the streets are outside there. They're absolutely immaculate. They should be very proud of what they have outside there. It's spotless. It's absolutely and great pictures. This is a hilarious photo. Hi, John Dominic. Love the show. This is my photo for this month. This cat thinks autumn is a big yawn. Thank you, Nora Delegate. And it's taken from outside a window pane. And there is the cat. And I tell you, you'd think it was a lion, the amount of teeth in its mouth and the vicious looking teeth. And the big uh, yawn it's giving there is, uh, is wonderful to see. I, it must be early morning that that cat, that's the biggest mouth I've ever seen on a cat ever. It's huge. My God. I never thought they could open up their mouths that like that. And the tongue sticking out. It's a great picture. It's a very kind of like, it's a picture you have to laugh and you look at twice, isn't it? It's absolutely lovely, lovely picture. Hi, John Dominic. This picture was taken on a beautiful autumn evening in Kiel Duff. Uh, Tralee checking cattle and changing fences on Wednesday September 13th at 8pm the sky looks amazing fabulous colours great you always regards Anne-Lean and thanks a million for that and, and they are beautiful colours there in the sky and I, I saw that actually over the last few weeks Dominic on Facebook and things people were getting some unbelievable um, 
kind of sunsets and colours in the sky. And even during the week myself, I seen the moon was an unusual kind of an orange colour as well. It is, but see, this is the time of year you'll get it. And if the weather is good like this, do you know, and that, and the stillness is in there, there's amazing colours. But you're changing from colour time now, or let's say the colours of the summer into the colours of the winter, and you're going for that warmy colour during the summer, and you're going to more the magenta colours and the coldness and the blues all change like that, you know. And that's how you're getting these magnificent colours like that, you know, and that. And it's great to see. It's It just tells people, like, you need to be out and watching and just taking this in like that, you know, and have your camera by your side to take the pictures and that's a lovely picture it's a most magnificent sky to see a sky of that colour isn't it yeah absolutely autumn on Valencia Island and these come in from Richard Forn and Richard has a great eye for catching um, an unusual or different kind of a, a, a shot and uh, here this looks to me like it's the marina at Valencia but it's covered with these massive waves and we had Storm Agnes recently I wonder was it around that time but there's boats moored and they're getting a fair battering and then we have the Valencia Car Ferry and we have the Valencia Lifeboat coming um, together and there's people with all colourful colours that could have been the triathlon or it could have been um, maybe the charity cycle that took place there recently for the RNLI um, for Valencia Lifeboat and then we have this beautiful image um, looking out at again you're looking out across at Renard from Valencia and uh, there's a rainbow in the sky over the whole marina and it looks absolutely spectacular Dominic Great set of pictures, great set of pictures like that. I love the windswept. I, I think it's probably Star Magnus all right there. And I know the location quite well. And I know where Richard is. And I know that it's quite a safe location where he's standing. And he's not too close. Like, because you know, that's important, Dominic, yeah. Very important, very important. And he knows his stuff. Whatever, wherever he is, he knows his stuff. And he knows where to stay in a safe place. Well, Richard was involved so, with the, the lifeboat for many years. And uh, it was a lighthouse uh, attendant as well. So he definitely knows all about the sea. Anyway, if there's any man that knows about it, he does. I'm going to look at it and say something bad. So I just, uh, but I can tell, like, I knew by the position because I've been down there several times and my boat, I got on my own boat as well like that. And I know that. And people need to be conscious of that if they're going to take pictures alongside the sea when there's wind there. Stay high and stay back. You'll get your picture. You can zoom in. You can use a bigger lens to get it like that. If you've got your mobile phone, you can even zoom in like that. So stay back. It is an absolute excellent picture. It just shows your change from summertime and you're coming to autumn, winter time. As for the people on the ferry, love to see that. You know, I probably would have rather it was a bit closer to find out because, like, even you were saying that yourself, George. You know that you want were they triathletes, were they cyclists, and ones like that. You know. I probably would have gone in and maybe taken away a little bit of the water on top, taken away a bit of the land on top, and given it a panoramic shape would have been lovely. And it, 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 you'd be able to talk more and, and get more out of it. As for the the rainbow, you can only but take a rainbow in in its entirety on that. I wouldn't worry about foregrounds, backgrounds or anything. When a rainbow comes into a picture, you just take the rainbow and it's quite lovely. Yeah, it kind of circles the photo beautifully. Hi, Joe and Dominic. Attached to my three autumn photos, springing in the harvest back in Phoenix. Flower losing its leaves as it fades away. Flower still blooming as it's as the leaves die away. And that comes in from Siobhan O'Connor. Um, beautiful um, symmetry to that photo with the, the hay. And uh, because lots of people cut their hay kind of late this year because the weather just kind of made a bit of an Indian summer there. So a very apt kind of a photo that autumn has arrived as well. 
It did. Siobhan, like, it came in pretty late like that. And Siobhan, like that, a lot of thinking went into this pitch like that. I love the lines and the lines are going along and there's a curvature in the land. It's like a belly, like, like a ball. So she's shooting down into the ball and up the other side and there's a rock mass up at the other side like that. You know, It's great. And it's the fact that there's so much in the photograph. She could have just gone to the other angle and taken a picture on it, but thought about it. It looks lovely. The composition is nice. It deserves an upright. And I normally say you might have too much sky or too much of, of the, the land in front. This is perfect. It can do with it. The thing about, as I say in photography, rules are meant to be broken in photography. I love the plants. I love to get in. It's very sad when you see plants like that and they're losing, you know, the summer and all the nice colours are gone or kind of tend to go away like that. And you're into the autumnal colours then coming in like that. So they're lovely. Nice set of selection of pictures. And finally to Brendan Cassan. Hi, John Dominic. Autumn has arrived at Leslie's Woods and Fairy Trail Tarbert with the leaves beginning to fall. And again, there's no better place than to capture autumn arriving, is there, Dominic, than the woods? There's something about woods. It's like as if during the summer, everybody's drawn to the sea on that. And it's all around the sea, the weather and everything like that. But then when the weather starts changing, and I, it's, it even happens myself, like out to Belly City Wood now is where I'm going to move my walks. It's absolutely fabulous out there like that. You go for a walk, you get away, and you get, especially if it has been raining and it warms up, and you get all these mulched up smells and everything comes up and like that. And you hear all these sounds and things like that. And the birds are still actually, some of them still singing. It's amazing like that. And it's lovely. And fairy trails, isn't that lovely for young people, for kids to go along? like that and knock at the fairy doors and see is there anybody in like that you know it's great lovely to see it brilliant so we have come to that time where we have to pick our humour photo of the month Dominic and our photo of the month so for our humour photo of the month what have you gone for I think we have to go for the cat I just think the cat is amazing with the mouth open like that. That was Nora Nelligan's picture like that. It's a great picture. And, you know, it's moving in, capturing the picture when you see it, as opposed to waiting for something to happen, just being ready. It's a great picture. Yeah, and and then our photo of the month? I'll have to say our photo of the month is safety conscious, which I did not realise how safety conscious this gentleman was. It's Richard Form, and it's the wind blowing over the boats on Valencia. I just think it's ideal of the time that has changed from summer and it really catapults you into the weather and the season has changed and the wind is coming over on that. Great picture. I absolutely love it. And I have to commend the gentleman, Michael, who took those pictures of the three pictures of the winter scenes as well. They were great. Yeah, Michael Kennedy. Um, just to mention there, Richard, when you look at that photo, there's more and more things that stand out to you. You have the fishing trawlers, then you have the kind of, I suppose, more pleasure yachts or boats and then you have the carry flag on one of the fishing trawlers as well it's absolutely brilliant well done Richard you are our photo of the month and Dominic our theme for next month to get people focused on what they have to um, send in because it is called in focus it is just and I think look I'm thinking it's still that time there where there's loads of colours but I'm just going to say colourful life Mm. and let's call it a colourful life so you're going to give me a picture with a colourful life in it and it can be colours it can be colour black and white anything like that and just use the shapes that you see around use the colours you see around use those trees that you see the branches leaning over there's less leaves now there's a lot more light coming through like that the sun is low the shadows are long and people around you can get it's a great time it's a great time for testing the imagination to go out and get pictures do a double take think outside the box 
and you come up with a lovely selection. And I really, really have to say to people, we love getting the pictures in. We spend a lot of time going through them. Joe spends a lot more time than me going through them and preparing and getting them on. So we really appreciate you sending them in. Yeah, excellent. And just to say as well, a colourful life can be someone that lives a colourful life. It doesn't necessarily have to be literal. So there's loads of different options for you. So send them to me, jmcgill at radiocurry.ie before midday Wednesday the f- before the first Saturday of the month. We're going to take a break and after that we're going to be looking at Dominic's archive. The Saturday Supplement with Joe McGill on Radio Kerry. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. So we're into the final part of our monthly In Focus, and this is where we go back and we look at Dominic Walsh's archive. And Dominic has sent us a selection. I love the way he does this, a collage of photos. And he's in right up my territory here because there's horses in the photo, so I am in. There's a wonderful scene of two horses and one jockey's on the back of the horse, the other is not. We're under an arch of a bridge which looks absolutely spectacular. And there's a horse crossing a river and it's splashing and you have the bagels there as well. Then you have three young people, young jockeys. They're looking a bit miserable if I'm being perfectly honest because I'd say it's kind of wet and they're waiting to get on their horses and to get at it, it looks to me. Dominic, this is uh, one of these drag hunt scenes, is it? This is one of these drag hunts and it's probably early or late 90s, 99, you know, in, into the 80s there, like, you know, maybe even a bit later when I've taken this. This used to be a favourite of mine like that, you know, I, I love the drag hunts. And I'd just to explain to people what a drag hunt is, on that what it is they go along and they get a bag and with a scent inside in it and they drag it over farmland and down areas like that and then the dogs come along and they follow the scent and the horses then follow the dogs and they go along over ditches into rivers um, under bridges onto roads into farmlands and you and it's very very spectacular to look at I think it's the most amazing thing actually look at it and I love it and I, I had a real interest in one time so what, what I've done is I've just put a bit of a, a composite collage together on that and you start early in the morning and you go off out and it's cold and it's you know and you're trying to get going and, and you notice you named or sorry you just identified three young people there on that and that was taken that particular picture for the people that might be in the picture was taken on the 21st of November 1999 and in the photograph we have three young people in the photograph and they're the O'Donovan family from Fert. what you've got is Billy aged two you've Deirdre aged three and John aged six they're in the picture there on that so they were obviously involved they're waiting for the horses to come like that what they tend to do is when there's young people like that and you do with a lot of people you say stand there don't move there's horses around so that's what they were doing they were standing there don't move and they were doing what they were told and the people were getting the horses ready then for the drag hunt on that but Joe you can see Joe when you look at it it's a cold day like it's it's like the, the sun and the colours are gone even though the sun is out like that like there's briars there there's no leaves in the trees but you can really see the action and feel the atmosphere of the horses and the dogs and the excitement of everybody going along a river and when you think of it like it's really so like it's environmentally friendly they're off out there and you can see them come along you can hear the dogs from such a distance you can hear the horses coming and the riders on the horse and they're making all these sounds going ho ho and stop and move and drop like that and they're laughing and they're shouting at each other come this way like that and it's amazing when they run 
and I, is this a reason, Joe, you might help me more than anything like that? They tend not to run across fees. They tend to run along the ditches and, and around that area and they tend to pick their spots. They're going over and they go along river. They do actually seem to do very little damage to the land, even though the land would be quite wet. And I, I really don't know how that is on that. Yeah, and I suppose they are conscious of that. But you need the ditches to jump and to go through the river and all the excitement that goes with it. Um, Dominic, we're out of time. But just quickly, I'm interested to know, do you have to follow these or do they come close to the road that you're able to go then and know the spot or set up beforehand or how does that work or do you have to go across country yourself no I wouldn't go across country because I wouldn't have time to follow them what I'd do is I would pick maybe two or three locations throughout the hunt so let's for example the bridge they'd come along the bridge I'd be at the bridge they'd go under the bridge come through the bridge and go on and when they're going on to the next location I would then drive to the next location and I would wait for them I normally do three locations Excellent. Dominic, wonderful photos. I wish we had more time to talk more about it, but we don't. Uh, thanks a million for coming on with us again this morning, and we look forward to having you on next month, where our theme is A Colourful Life. Dominic, look after yourself, and we'll be talking to you next month, and it'll be around before we know it. Thank you, Joe, and thank you to your listeners, and thanks for sending in the photographs. Sloan. Now, stay with us, because after the news at 10, we have lots more. We're going to be speaking about two very interesting exhibitions that are taking place in this county. So I'll talk to you after the news at 10. The Saturday Supplement with Joe McGill on Radio Kerry. The Saturday Supplement with Joe McGill on Radio Kerry. Now you're welcome along to the second hour of the Saturday Supplement and I hope you're enjoying the programme. Now last week I opened an exhibition for Kira Chute who is an artist originally from Longford and uh, is based between there and Balanskeligs in South Kerry. The Body Remembers is an abstract painting exhibition and accompanying text which investigates the body's ability to hold on to memory and how this affects the way we navigate the world. Now, the body remembers what the mind forgets, and this collection of work is in response to the investigation of this phrase, resulting in the exploration of the physicality of painting itself and inherent mark-making in humans. And I caught up with Kira during the week at her home in Balanskelix. Kira, thanks a million for welcoming me to your home here um, in Balanskelligs. Um, I suppose, firstly, were you always into art or how did you get into it or was it in the family or, or what way did that come about? Yeah, so I remember back when I was very young, I would have always been doodling, I guess you call it drawing now, um, at every class that I had in school. So I definitely was always into creativity and drawing, but never really pursued it until later on in my life. And so uh, I would have started off originally as a journalist and studied journalism when I left school and then traveled. I, I studied journalism in order to be a travel writer and then would have traveled on and off for maybe 10 years and kept notes and diaries of my works. And then I would have done various jobs throughout them years as well and then studied performing arts and then left for Australia and lived there for maybe three and a half years and when I was in Australia I realised actually what I always wanted to be was an artist that was my I guess true calling you would say but uh, throughout them years of travelling I think it was a bit of soul searching for me rather than actually wanting to be an actual journalist I think I was searching for who I was or what I was going to be and and maybe back when I was younger 
being an artist was such an innate, being creative was such an innate part of who I was that I, I, I don't think I associated it with as a career mm-hmm. um, until later on, uh, until I got older. So I came back from Australia and I studied fine art in Gorey School of Art in Wexford. And I guess that was kind of a life-changing uh, year. Um, it was almost like taking a magic pill. I completely looked at the world different after that. I was always into abstract, I guess. Um, it, abstract work or abstract writing or creative writing. Um, and maybe my travels was, were, was always kind of a search for adventure and places on the edge, um, which is kind of fitting because I live right on the edge of Ireland at the moment in Valens Gettigs. Um, so Yes, yeah, so of uh, and, and just before you go on to how you got to Vanskeg, so I suppose people would be listening to this now when we're talking about your exhibition, um, which is in Shimstira and it's abstract. So what is abstract for people that wouldn't know? So abstract work, uh, my work is I guess influenced by abstract expression uh, expressionism, um, which is I guess to me abstract work is that innate ability to mark make within the hand, um, and it comes from like anything from ancient rock art in Ireland to Aboriginal work in Australia, I lived in an Aboriginal camp, and I my my that that time over there definitely still influences my work. Um, it's just the innate ability to mark, make, and create symbols and tell a story through symbols. I see it here on the sand. Even children would make marks on the sand and tell a story, and and it's just so so inherent in the human being and the body um, to to make marks whether it is on sand or paper or, or on rock and to me that's abstract work but I mean there's definitely been art movements throughout the centuries you know there's um, lots of different various modern artists whether it's William de Kooning or it's contemporary artists or clients so true study true fine art study I would have learned about a lot of abstract expressionist work but my work is definitely influenced more by my interactions with places and people and myself, um, discovery of self and that. Um, so, yeah. Mm. Would it be fair to say, I know all art is interpretive and it's kind of what, you know, what you see or what you can get from it when you look at it. But abstract, you probably have to search a bit more, don't you? Yeah, so it's not, I guess it's not... Uh, it's not what you see is what you get. Yeah, it's not, it's not like landscape art yeah. where, what, what, so where you're painting exactly what you see. Um, abstract is, the work is definitely open to interpretation. I think the beauty about abstract work is that everybody sees something different and it's, it's, it's strange and beautiful to, to, for someone to say oh, I see such and such, whether it's an animal or a person in my work, and I mightn't have seen that before. Um, and I think that, I think my work really does, I think I mentioned this at the opening, that it does come alive through the eyes of the viewers because everybody sees something different and it goes on this other journey. So when I do a body of work, that's it, it goes on display. Um, and then... I don't think it's not it's not that's not the final journey of the work it will continue on through the eyes of the viewers and yeah there's something uh, something comforting in that mm. um, um, you kind of subtly threw in there about the Aboriginal people that you spend time with them tell us about that how did that come about and what did it involve yeah so that was you know I've done quite varied travel throughout the, the past decades and I would have been travelling around Australia. I lived mostly on the west coast um, which was 
Broome, up northern Australia in Broome and Fremantle and Perth and then I decided I'd go over to the East Coast and I was looking for a different, I think I was out of work at the time and I came across this ad on gumtree.ie which I don't think actually exists anymore <laughs> um, and it said they were looking for an artist um, assistant in an Aboriginal camp in Harnham Land in the centre of the country so next day I got picked up by a truck and this woman brought me I think it was uh, we had to stop halfway through because it was so long in um, Australia is a huge country um, so it took around oh, two days to get there and I lived there for a while and just lived among the elders and they were creating art and I, I was just fascinated by that again that innate sense of what they do is it's so innate in their bodies they would it's called song lines that would have been creating kind of symbols and stories and ancient lore uh, throughout the throughout the decades to leave a mark to leave a story for the the ancestors whether it's telling them that there's water here or to, there's food here or, you know and it's and I think that's that's not just in Aboriginal land. It's in it's in Celtic uh, mythology as well, or Celtic rock art. And whether I'm in Australia or standing up in Bola's Head here, or standing in the middle of the country where I'm from, like places like Loch Crewe, I mean they're fascinating. Um, you can really feel it, and it's really grounding. And and um, so to me, yeah, all that search for home and all that travel, I guess. I guess home is everywhere, really, isn't it? You know, it's mm. kind of in the soul, you know, and 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 we express ourselves through our body and and. Yeah, but it's yeah. amazing to think that there's a functional aspect to that as well. What they were doing, yeah. you know, it wasn't just like creative expression as well. It was like, yeah. I suppose, to help those after them. And it's something that strikes me as well because I was in Australia as well. Um, they were, they are, were such a nomadic people that there isn't a lot left after them in the line of buildings or whatever. It's their art they leave after them, really, so... Yeah, I, that's, I think that's another influence on my art. It's, 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 not, it's almost art for symbol's sake and art for survival, which is really interesting. Like, um, art now is, I guess, more commercial, but it's, it's, it really is part of the humanness of being human um, I think everybody is creative in, in one sense or another I mean it's, it's, it is who we are whether we're dancing or, or playing music or drawing or chanting you know it's, it's how we it's how I process my emotions and I've realised that that's you know when I was doodling or drawing or, or writing about my my journeys or it's how we process being human I guess and um, yeah that's I think it's art is bigger than you know just the galleries it's art art is life I guess isn't it it's you yeah. know it's 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 everywhere around us mm. you went to I suppose kind of more unusual places as well tell us about them okay um yeah like like I've mentioned I've always been kind of searching for unusual adventures or maybe I was um searching a bit for myself as well and and as I think that comes all, almost from the journalistic side as well you know a bit of investigative of, of human interest there's a curiosity as well and this all feeds back into my work so I would have um, a few years ago in 2019 I went to Palestine a friend was doing a, a research paper on uh, the refugee camps there in Ramallah and Jordan so I went along as a research assistant um, and that was very interesting um, to see what is going on there at the moment in, you know, in the refugee camps uh, and how that is you know it's making it's affecting 
the the, the people there culturally um, and also um, where else have I been? I've been but that must have had a profound effect on you that, uh, you know, being in the, those, those situations and being in that place as well and the kind of conditions there as well yeah, so to see someone dis- to see a, a community and a culture displaced like that, um, what struck me the most is that it's it, we talk about body memory and genetic memory, and that's what I talk about in my work. Is that even though decades and decades and decades have passed by, you know, they started off as original tented refugee camps, and now they're the buildings are concrete and they're building up and up, um, and to you know to 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 hear the the younger generation talk about going back home you know to palestine or going back to jaffa or uh, going back to where they originally came from is is fascinating that it's it's you know that search for home or it's it's part of that genetic makeup of that they're longing to to go back home um and yeah but also you know a lot of my work as well is based on on movement and i understand migration is very much part of the human facet so um that's also who we are we we are nomadic people but it's it's just unfortunate that that some sometimes people are displaced because of you know wars or colonialism or you know aspects like that mm-hmm. um how did a, a longford woman find herself in south kerry then how did that come about yeah so I asked after I finished up fine art in Gorey in Wexford I was looking for opportunities and I came down to work in Kilrillig which is an art centre up the road here uh, set up by Noelle Campbell Sharp around 30 years ago and it's connected to an artist residency up in, on the mountain where artists from all over the world 6,000 artists to date actually have come there and I came down yeah around over 8 years ago and I've been mainly coming and going since um and I think there is definitely something there's an energy down here that kept on drawing me back and I did look into it there is a ley line that runs from Skellig Mihil Rock to Stella Mar in Israel um so I think there is that sort of that sort of draw uh and it, it's also like what, what I talk about it's on the edge but I'm originally from Edristown in Longford and I have a studio up connected to the Lewin Gallery in Athlone and when I come back to talking about movement, I am constantly searching for, you know, the next place or the next adventure. There's a curiosity there, which always feeds into my work. But I think the drive from Longford back down to Balance Gaelic, which is six hours, does satisfy a bit of that urge to move, you know, because <laughs> it is so long. It's like, you know, it's, it's so different as well. Um, but the Midlands are just as... Um, ancient and fascinating as well you know up there there's a lot of lakes and and trees and down here it's more mountain and sea so yeah, yeah. and does that influence your work the place that you're in the landscape out here is just absolutely spectacular by the way and it's i'm just reminded of something when i interviewed the kirby family um all, i always mention him on this program michael kirby who started his artistic life in his 80s but he painted this landscape and i actually seen a few of the drawings and he's painted them in all different scenarios one of them was if this was a, a tropical in a tropical country there was palm trees but yet it was the still still the kind of same uh, sea we were looking at the same castle and all that but maybe maybe he was a man before he said he was thinking about climate change or something but it was so impressive but how much does the landscape like around here influence your work yeah um, so i think no matter where i am painting 
the landscape definitely, although I'm not a landscape artist, mm. it will inevitably feed in subconsciously. Again, it's not through the mind, it's through the body. My work is very much, I will create a body of work or create quite a work quite large. Um, there's a piece, a 10 metre long piece, two 10 metre long pieces in the show at the moment in Stream Satira. And I look back at that and I, I don't recall almost doing it. It, it. it just flows out of the body through the hand rather than through the mind. So I'm subconsciously creating this work. I think um, a, a writer, Elizabeth Gilbert, mentions it. It's almost like a creative genius beyond, you know, outer body experience. So sometimes I look back at it and go, I, I don't remember doing that. It's all, it's like with writing or whatever you look back, I don't remember writing that. It just, it comes from another place. But I think, you know, I've, I've someone was standing looking at it at the opening the other night and they could see rocks and see uh, where I, I might not have been able mm. to see that but it definitely it will feed in and, and rocks would definitely feed into my work because I'm surrounded by them here all of the time it's you know the land is full of rock and you know then I end up researching rocks itself and you know there's the ethos god of rocks and that will feed into my writing and it, it, like my work is ever evolving and something there'll be another starting point or trigger that will keep on feeding back into the work Kira Chute there, and we're going to return to that interview I did with Kira after these. You're listening to the Saturday Supplement with Joe McGill on Radio Kerry. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Now let's return to the interview I did during the week with Kira Chute, who is an artist based in Balance Skelligs and has an exhibition on at the moment in Shim Satira entitled The Body Remembers. It's kind of a cliche about artists needing solitude and kind of searching for solitude in order to, to, to paint and it's being kind of working your own bubble. Is that why Kilwheely kind of works, you know, as, a, as an artist retreat, that you're able to get away from it all and, and just focus on... Um, the art or leave it organically like you said flow out of you because you're allowing that space for it to, to flow out of you yeah so the ethos of the retreat was always that you you're, you're not compelled to create but you by nature up there it is so quiet and peaceful and there is an energy up there that you you want to create and the actual buildings themselves they're converted pre-fam and cottages the space lends itself to 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 be, being an artist studio or a writer's um, a place to write and reflect and I don't there's just something about you you know it might take two days to settle in because a lot of people find it so quiet and then after that you'll just you'll just you'll just want to create um, but I think yeah that the cliche of solitude for an artist I think you know you always have to for me I always have to have some other you know aspects in life whether that's I do a lot of sea swimming or um, I'll you know I might create a body of work and then I'll move into writing or they'll both kind of complement each other and then I might go away for a while and travel up the country up to the studio and alone and create there or go abroad to research you know and, and be culturally somewhere different so I think it's it's not about just sitting at home and being by yourself I think that's you know that's not good for anybody either you know kind of have to be out and about as well um, and being involved with Kyrillic and constantly you know in the kind of creative realm as well and meeting people and yeah because yeah. there is a lot of creatives around in this yeah. area which is brilliant as well um, let's talk about your uh, exhibition um, and what struck me as well because I, I went along to it uh, the opening of it um, you kindly invited me along was it's not just 
paintings it is because you're kind of an all-rounder as well there's a holistic approach to this there's some beautiful writing um next to it there's an audio visual there um so there's a lot a lot more going on than you would expect probably yeah so my work you know from my background in journalism and performing arts and um fine art itself it is kind of multidisciplinary show and as as i as i'm progressing in in the the art in my art life uh, this is the third solo show so they're getting kind of more experimental and and bigger i guess and you know i i like kind of the multi-sensory or the you know it's it's there's different aspects to it there is a projection and uh, there is installation and there is poetry or creative non-fiction writing and there is large abstract paintings and small abstract paintings so yeah it's, it is it's kind of a show that nearly has to be experienced and I think mm. you mentioned that when you opened kindly opened the show um, for me last week that yeah you have to you have to be in the space rather than looking at on you know photos um, to appreciate it I guess or to experience it but this show in particular I think it's universal in theme like everybody has body everybody has memory you know it's, it's and that's what the theme is body rem- the body remembers yeah, yeah. it investigates how the body has the ability to hold memory and how this might affect the way we navigate the world or walk in the world and you know we all have habits and I'm kind of curious how and why we have these habits uh, that we form whether they're good or bad and I understand it's obviously through genetics or, uh, you know, multi-generational, you know, uh, ancestries. Um, I just find it fascinating. And I, I, almost, I go right back again to rock art and Aboriginal art or back again to our animalistic traits, which I think is fascinating. And I just got back from India a few months ago and I was studying yoga. And that was to try and, you know, just to learn more about the body and how... You know, I talk about in a poem piece in the uh, in the shows how if we use the body, that's how we remember who we are. You know, the physicality um, of our animal selves. My work is quite physical, and it is about the physicality of painting itself. And you know, in India, kind of, I was pushed to a limit and. I almost went beyond that limit where I realised it's actually within the stillness. You know, you talk about the quietness here. It's in the stillness where we actually rise. You know, I sit still, but yet I rise like an eagle. That's one of the poems. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just fascinating, yeah. And they, they have a lot of gods over in India as well, which is half animal, half human. So there's a bit of that in my work, Egyptian mythology and uh, Terrian tropic, I think is the word, yeah. Um, half half animal, half human. It's quite fascinating. Yeah, so. Yeah. Well, uh, Kira, I'd recommend anyone that's listening to go along to this and allow time, like I said, because there's quite a lot in it. It's, um, you really need to give time to each um, installation and to absorb them. And uh, like I said, you'll fo- you'll get something out of it. I mentioned last in the opening what I got out of it. Each each uh, image was uh, triggering something to me or, or, or words that you spoke about or that you wrote about. So it's absolutely fantastic. Curated by Joe Keating. We better not uh, forget that. It's in Shim Satira and you can go along whenever you want, really. Yeah, so it's open every day. And then in the evening time as well, Shim Satira have their own um, theatre pieces going on so it's open in the evenings as well just check their their timetable there and they open at 10 o'clock in the day and it runs until the day ending of the 25th of October Okay so all this month really to 25th of October so you should definitely go along Kira, thanks a million for talking to me best luck with the exhibition I look forward to speaking to you again Thanks a million Joe thank you for having me on Cheers bye bye
Yeah, and you've no excuse. Go along to Shim Satira there to check out that wonderful exhibition. And we wish Kira all the best with it. Now we're going to take a break, and after that, we're going to be talking about this wonderful exhibition about a North Kerry film which has been restored and uh, a wonderful project involved in that. So we'll take a break with more after these. You're listening to the Saturday Supplement with Joe McGill on Radio Kerry. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Now let's talk about another exhibition that is taking place at the Kerry Writers Museum in Listowel on October 19th. Kerry Writers received a grant under the Regional Museums Exhibition Scheme 2023 to showcase the work of John Lynch and Michael Mulcahy, known as the Bolex Boys. The project is built around the restoration and digitisation of their film The Way I Remember It, shot in 1971 and remastered in 1978 with a soundtrack featuring narration by Amy Keane and songs by Sean Hearn. The idea of the exhibition is to celebrate 50 years of storytelling in North Kerry through film at a time when young people have rediscovered analogue systems. The exhibition will be the springboard for a wider archival project dealing with community filmmakers and storytellers. Kieran Walsh from Ballyhigh is curating the event and I caught up with him during the week to find out more. So firstly, Kieran, tell us what is the film the way I remember it uh, about? It's about changes that were happening in North Kerry in 1971, two years before Ireland ratified its, uh, by referendum its membership of the EEC. So life in rural Ireland was changing and John Lynch, the man who made the film, got a job in Curraclary Creamery just outside Listowel, which is still a very rural area. And he had people delivering milk in an ass and cart but he also had the first tractors coming in and the first bulk tankers. So he began to realise um, that life in North Kerry was changing and he decided to record it and he bought a Bolex camera, which is a small handheld 16mm camera that you wind up and the spelling is, is very important, B-O-L-E-X. <laughs> that is important, good man. That is important, <laughs> yeah. That's, yes. That's, that's, what we, that's what we call, um, and Google it, it's amazing what comes up under Bolex. But um, he bought a 16mm camera on the first day of his holidays, he began filming around the creamery and then extended that out to cover um, a life that was disappearing. And none of this, this is not a folk project. None of this was set up. This is social documentary at its best. The what year are we talking there, Kieran? 1971. Okay, yeah. Now, the problem with the Bolex is that it's a mechanical camera and you wind up a spring which runs the film so you can't use sound you can't mount a microphone on this the on the camera so he filmed most of it without sound and then in 1978 he met up with Michael Mulcahy who trained as a marine radio operator never went to sea but developed a sound business of his own and um they began talking about how to put a soundtrack onto this film so they John got Eamon Keane of the Keane family of Listowel, an actor, to devise a soundtrack. And it's sort of, it, it, it's amazing. It's almost like a rap. He sat in a room watching the film and composed this thing. And then Michael brought him into the, the recording studio and he said, all Eamon had was a series of notes 
and he told the story of life in rural North Kerry from from memory essentially so and this is the, the this is where um Cara Trant came in I I think e- Eamon Keane's soundtrack is one of the most underacknowledged and important pieces of verbal art ever recorded in this country. It is stunning, and his voice, recorded by Michael, is wonderful as well. Yeah, that sounds so kind of beautiful, doesn't it, that you, you would do that? And we often, like, when I teach oral history, we say when an old person dies, a library burns, but that library was captured there because it sounds like, like you said, that it wasn't prepared, well, he notes, but he's just organically talking about his memories in such a, a beautiful way. There's something very special about that. There is, and it's a rap, and there's a rhythm, and, you know, it's 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 funny. We, we, we did a conversation with John and Michael in the... Um, Eamon is long dead, unfortunately. But we did a conversation with Eamon and Michael in the Writers Museum as part of the the storytelling festival in the stall. And when we played the audio, the audience to a person sort of closed their eyes and just listened. Like it's so as a piece of storytelling and as a piece of audio art, it's it's like without match, it's without equal. Mm. Um, 1971 as well Ireland has changed a lot since then but I often think like even when I was going to school in the late 80s say there was still the donkey and cart going to the creamery and things like that coming into the 90s it's amazing how much has changed in the last uh, 30 years so this has captured something that we'll never see again because the change of pace has happened so rapidly but even say 30 years before that it would have been similar enough it's just that the change of pace since has been unbelievable so it's it's really an important piece of work from that perspective as well yeah and I think what like um, Alan Gilson included in his home movie nights back in the 90s and I think that's one of the things we're trying to combat this is not home movie making this is a guy who ran a cinema who had a very cinematic imagination, and and so there's this is this is a piece of art film, and I'd imagine I suppose if if independent production had existed at the time, this would have been one of the first of the sort of independent production social documentary productions, but it didn't. So what what we're trying we have a role of film and a soundtrack, and what we're trying to do at the moment is just restore that digitize it and restore it and and as you said there is a you know the the importance of um collections and archives and folk stories and storytelling for, at a community level that's all wrapped up in this project so what we're trying to do is use the restoration of this film to point um at other people at at the whole process of telling stories through film especially at a time when young people are getting interested in analogue um, systems I st- I've started taking film photographs again and Khan's cameras in um, Dublin they're saying they can't, they can't cope with the demand of people who are using, going back to old cameras and using film and the same thing is happening with the Bolex camera, it has become the sort of the star of a whole new movement of young filmmakers so this isn't just retrospective this is about making movies, telling stories at a community level and as you said, when when someone dies in a community like this, a library goes, and what John 
and Michael have done over 50 years in filmmaking have, they've compiled a massive archive of social history made from a filmmaker's perspective. But what they also have is they have the most amazing collection of filmmaking, analogue filmmaking equipment. Mm. I think that's like when you mention the difference between home movie and say, you know, someone properly filming. Uh, a person properly filming is filming with purpose. There's a reason they're doing something. There's a reason they're moving. There's a reason they're capturing something. And you mentioned to me earlier when we were talking about the close-ups and things like that, the detail as well. Yeah, and, you know, a role of film at the time, um, Michael told a story. He was asked why he hadn't filmed more. And he said, well, basically a role of film to buy it, process it, get it, um, get it put together, costs roughly a week's salary. So, like this, this was this was not an amateur operation. But um, the other thing about that was that when they put the roll of film three minutes into the into the camera, they edited it in camera, so it was shot um, as it appeared. So, like people people are used, you know. I saw, I read the other day that um, the average sixteen-year-old has access to editing software on TikTok that full-time studios didn't have 20 years ago and um, but this was going back to the idea of a strip of film on a reel that you had to cut and splice together but most of the work was done by deciding how you're going to shoot it in camera so you have um, Cathy and Jim two people milking a cow and it starts off with the wide shot goes into the mid shot goes into the very close up and all that was done while the thing was going spring spring yeah are there scenes that stand out to yourself in it um there are that's one you know i i went back we showed it we showed it and jim and kathy and it shows them going out to the field to milk a cow and as i said this is not set up none of this is set up this is not folk theater on camera this is actual social documentary but it's it's amazing like it it i that scene appeals to me because it is so subversive of um, rural stereotypes because on a couple of occasions Cathy looks directly into the camera and I went on YouTube and I googled do you remember the heart bad Sally O'Brien yeah. the way she met Mike look yeah. at her yeah. <laughs> and it had that and there's something about the pair of them the way they move down the lane I, th- I think that's that's a fantastic scene <laughs> The yeah. fourth wall as well, Kiran was broken, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, you know, and I think there, there's that as well. This is not, as I said, it's not a nostalgia project. It, mm. it, it's, it's something, it's, it's about art, it's about the art of storytelling. And is it something, Kiran, you were always aware of, this, this film, or how did it come across your radar? Um, I was working with Pat Ahern on um, his background in, in folk theatre. I worked in Sheemsa for a long time. With Father um, Pat, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose when when I was when I was in art college, I, I was very interested in people's art, um, uh, folk art, stuff like that, um, rather than official art. And um, and that, that was my interest in folk. So we, we he Pat Ahern showed me the way I remember it because he just felt that 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 visualised 
what his childhood was like, the, the sort of Kerry that he grew up in. So I began talking to John, went out, went out and had a look at his studio and saw all the projectors and everything and all the reels of film. And the more I looked at um, the way I remember it, the more I began to realise that this is a really under-acknowledged work of art. But there was one other small film he made. He um, and I think it sums up John. And he sums up John's approach to filmmaking. John and Michael's approach to filmmaking. Um, he heard there was a, a pig being killed in a farmyard, Kassan's farmyard, near Clonmacken, and he went out and filmed it. But the reference for that filming is a a, a film, an Italian social realism film that was released in 1978 called um, Tree of Wooden Clogs and within that a pig is slaughtered and you can see how Michael is learning from Omi's masterpiece, Italian masterpiece, regarded as a masterpiece now and that's coming into the short film of the killing of a pig, the last killing of a pig in a farmyard and that farmyard has not changed and I suppose one of the things we'll be looking at and trying to do as this project progresses, is um, show that film in the farmyard where it was made. Whoa, that would be yeah. that would be some video. Um, and, and identify there's a, a string of, of school children from Clamacan National School, which is long since closed, and we're trying to identify them at the moment as well. Yeah, that's a way more immersive experience. I love that idea. Um, I've been involved in film festivals before, but when you screen them in a place of poignancy, um, yeah. you know, it just means all the more. Remember uh, Chaplin's film the Circus? We watched it in Big Fawcett, uh, Fawcett's Big Top Tint. Yeah. It was just so impressive. And there was like a Cirque du Soleil kind of a Sarah Fawcett, the daughter, did a, um, a, a kind of an act before it, and it was just very special. It's just a way, I think, such an immersive experience. Then tell us about the exhibition on October 19th. Writers um, Museum? Yeah, the Bolex Boys is the, the title, um, an adventure in storytelling and film, and it, it's centred on the restoration of the film. Julian Duguerre in um, Super 8 Film in Galway has been going through it, frame by frame, restoring it, and it's amazing. It's like when you just see an old DVD and you see the restoration So of, of the film. Um, so the exhibition is centred on the film, the restoration of the film and putting the film back and um, relaunching it in its restored state but also around that we have a small exhibition of Bolex cameras and the filmmaking equipment so that anyone who can anyone who's interested in that in filmmaking either analog or digital can come in and see how this thing was put together so what i find ironic is one of the last things we, we filmed an interview with um john in the the cinnamon listol uh, two days after it shut down permanently. And now here, Cara Tranta, myself and Powell have just, just reconstructed a mini cinema in the Reicher Centre. So I think that's that's the exhibition. It's, um, and I would hope, you know, there. I would hope this is, we would hope that this is the start of a process because I, there's um, people like Leo Finucane in my van and his first film um, came second at the 
at the 1978 Dublin Film Festival. There's Paul Tinelli um, in Finug who also made film. So there's a lot of all the film, but the budget we have gotten, this is funded by the Department of, and I can never remember which it is, Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gaeltuck, Sport and Media under the Regional Museums Exhibition Grant. And it's a small grant which has allowed us to put on a small exhibition, but we're hoping it's to start for much longer. Um, conversation about storytelling in film in North Kerry. Beautiful. Um, you will be able to see the film, will you, at the exhibition? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the, one of the things, like we have the original re- reel of film. We have the original tapes that Eamon Keane was recorded on. So, well, they're too fragile to actually project. One of the things we'll have is a, a projection of the tape playing. And and, and it's a lovely old TIAC tape recorder, <laughs> real tape recorder and gorgeous piece of equipment. And yes. so we'll have that, yeah. And um, and is it open all day or is there a particular time be, when people come in? It'll be open. The, the opening hours of the, um, what you call it, of the Kerry Writers Museum applied to the exhibition. Now, one of the things we'll have to look at is that we'll have excerpts that, you know, you can you can watch, but it's a, an hour-long movie. So we'll also have particular screenings as well. And the first screening, the, the premiere, if you like, will be on the 19th of October. Brilliant. And uh, people, if they want to, do they just rock up on the day or do they have to ring in advance? Or no, no, this is, this is a public exhibition. It's um, everyone is welcome. Salta Riv Koch. Excellent. I love the idea, Kieran, as well, that there's a legacy to this project as well. I think that's so important. And it's involving, could involve young people as well down the line, which is brilliant to hear as well. But Kieran, yeah. thanks for having me on. On the young people there, Joe. Um, 12 kids turned up, teenagers turned up at the conversation we had with Michael and um, John a couple of weeks ago and that's exactly what this project is that, you know, if you're interested, there's a way to make your own tell your own story in film Brilliant, excellent. Kieran, we wish you all the best of luck. It's on from October 19th at the Kerry Writers Museum. Thanks Joe Kieran Walsh tell us about that wonderful exhibition and it's on on October 19th um, like Kieran Walsh said in the Kerry Writers Museum you can check that website out for more we'll take a break and more after these The Saturday Supplement with Joe McGill on Radio Kerry The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry brought to you by Virgin Media Ireland's best broadband visit virginmedia.ie it's playtime now, so we've nearly come to the end of the programme. Where has the time gone? Thanks a million to everyone who tuned in. Next week, we have our Kerry County Council, Creative Kingdom, letting you know what's going on in the arts world. And uh, we'll also have a lot of interesting things coming up this month. Halloween is on the way, the change of the clocks, and we'll talk about time and how time was, I suppose, kept um, for though, for though, and how that has evolved over the centuries and over time. We'll be talking about that over the next uh, few weeks and lots more besides. A very interesting story or a kind of a myth and a legend I came across. Um, it was on irishcultureandcustoms.com and I'd like you to let me know, it, have you heard this story? Or is it one of these stories that, you know, you'd find in a website like this and uh, it's not really heard locally? So I'd like you to know, let me know, email jmcgill at radiocarry.ie. I'd like you to let me know. So this is about O'Sullivan's Cascade in Killarney. Now, according to legend, the waterfall once ran with whiskey 
The leader of Nefina, Fiumakul, resided above the cascade on Tomi's mountain. It was here that he kept his personal supply of the finest Ishka Baha. O'Sullivan of Tomi's was lucky enough to share this delightful drop, being the only man bold enough to stand up to Fionn. Sadly, when the Sosnig invaded Ireland, O'Sullivan's cascade changed into water. Now, have you heard of that story before? Because that's my first time hearing that kind of version of it. Anyway, um, if, it if you've heard of it, let me know. jmcgill at radiocarry.ie That's all we have time for this morning. Thanks a million to everyone who tuned in and thanks uh, to you at home for always tuning in and listening to the programme. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks to Abigail Bernard who was on sound. Francis is on the way. So keep it here on Radio Kerry. And I'll be back again next Saturday for 9am until then look after yourself and take care The Saturday Supplement with Joe McGill on Radio Kerry 103.7